And good morning to you, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on AM 1030 KVOI, The Voice, Daily In-Depth News, conversation and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. I'm your host, Zach Yenser, and uh, Friday needs no introduction, no special name. We have special names for every other day on the show, but Friday gets its own day. Friday, good morning, Matt Neely, all of our listeners listening as well. Happy Friday to you, a cloudy, cool 95 degrees in Tucson. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, Zach. Looking forward to the weekend. Absolutely. Looking forward to the show today, too. Yeah, it's a big one, and uh, it's a, it's a, it's a. We often, you know, we sometimes Fridays kind of a little more open to talk about news of the week we didn't get to, but this Friday show is packed from absolute beginning to absolute end. We'll get going in just a second. ASU President Dr. Michael Crow will be with us at the bottom of the hour. The U.S. Space Force and Arizona State University signed an agreement earlier this month, making ASU the newest member of the Services University Partnership Program. Arizona, that on the heels of a visit by Senator Mark Kelly, by the way, Arizona is a space state. What does all that look like? How do we grow a Southern Arizona economy and... Uh, ASU um, was just designated a Hispanic-serving institution by the U.S. Department of Education. So we'll talk about that as well. But to kick us off here at the top of the hour is Karen Taylor Robeson, a candidate for governor uh, of the beautiful state of Arizona running in the Republican primary. We'll talk about state of the race. uh, And then we'll talk about some important issues, water and housing, uh, before we before we get done with it. But let's, let's get started and welcome on in uh, Karen Taylor Robes. And Karen, thanks for starting your Friday with us here in Southern Arizona. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be back on the program. For sure. Uh, and you know, that, you know that Michael Crow guy, right, fairly well? <laughs> I, I do know him pretty well, yes. I figured you would have run into each other uh, at, at some point in time, uh, given your experience on the on the border regions. Karen, I I, I, I want to ask you a couple of uh, state of the race, horse race questions and get through those as quick as possible, because uh, what I really want to talk with you about are issues. But the reality is, Karen, we're a month and a half out from the uh, early August primary. This is this is this is the critical six seven weeks for sure. Uh, I want to ask you this this question. You were endorsed here locally, actually, by the Tucson Police Officers Association and another uh, first responder association. The news uh, I saw came out this week. Uh, Americans for Prosperity also got behind your candidacy this week, and recent polls show that you and Carrie Lake are in a statistical tie for the Republican nomination amongst voters in Arizona who have made up their mind. And there's a large percentage who haven't, which is interesting, too. What do you think all this says, Karen, about the state of the race here, uh, really just a month and a half out from the primary election? Well, what it says is our campaign is going very, very well. And as you you mentioned, there were two independent polls that came out within the last couple of weeks that say that the race is in a statistical uh, dead heat. So it's clear we're building momentum every day as people learn about my my executive experience and my conservative vision for the state. And uh, you know what? I have the added bonus of running against an opponent in Carrie Lake who who is succeeding in turning off more and more and more voters every time she opens her mouth. It's it's quite uh, interesting to to watch somebody just continue to turn people off. But that's that is clearly a benefit to me. But we've got tremendous momentum. 
there are 24 hours in every day, and we will use every single one of them until the polls close on August 2nd. And regard, regarding the endorsements, I, you mentioned I am so pleased and honored to have uh, the endorsement of the uh, Tucson Police Officers Association, as well as CLIA, the Combined Law Enforcement Association of, of uh, Arizona. So I am I'm thrilled to have them. And, you know, they know that supporting them is my priority. And, and you know, our police need support. Uh, they need to know their governor will have their back. And my, my law enforcement plan makes it very, very clear that, that I will have their back. Uh, you have made it very clear to, to cities around the state that if you attempt to defund the police, we will do everything in our power to defund that city. And I, I, I think it's important to be clear on that so that everybody knows uh, what my position is. We're with Karen Taylor Ropes, and again, Republican candidate for uh, for governor running in the primary. Uh, Karen, last last question before we go to break and, and talk about some important, uh, important issues facing our state. Uh, I want to ask about a little bit of a critique you got from multiple uh, media around the state uh, for saying the other day that you don't believe the election was, was fair, and that was the word you used. The criticism I've seen, if I had to summarize it out there, has been uh, that, look, this kind of shows Karen doesn't believe there was anything structurally fraudulent or wrong about the 2020 election that would have changed the results, but you're feeling the pressure in this primary to nod to the sense uh, in the Republican base and by some of your primary opponents uh, that the election was fraudulent or stolen from President well, Trump. Um, can, can, can you respond to that, and what did you mean by the word fair? Yeah, and, and quite frankly, I don't feel pressure about my answer because I believe in my answer. You know, we had liberal judges across this country changing rules about how ballots are cast and, and how they were counted in the, in the days and weeks and months before the election. So you had that going on. You had mainstream media suppressing the news, and I don't need to say anything more than Hunter Biden. You had big tech suppressing conservative voices all across the, the spectrum. And we had Mark Zuckerberg putting nearly a half a billion dollars into Democrat precincts across this country, including Arizona. And so there is no, it's, it's no wonder why you know, 75% of Arizona Republicans thought something was wrong with the election. So all these things together uh, has led to a situation that, you know, nobody thinks, you know, it was fair. We all know with every passing day, every every time you go to the grocery store or fill your gas tank up, everybody, you know, knows that the wrong guy is in the White House. But I have made it a, a, a purposeful that I am not looking back at the 2020 race. I'm looking at the 2022 race. We have got to come together. We have got to figure out how to win. And I'm the best candidate to win in November because the left is coming for Arizona. And, and you know, of course we have to, to make changes and, and do things in our election system to, to make sure that we, that we make it easier to vote and harder to cheat. You know, increasing penalties for ballot harvesting, requiring voter ID, uh, having, having uh, uniform rules for cleaning up voter rolls. All those things are a must. We have to do that. And it's not just something you take care of this year. But we have to be vigilant and always make sure we have the best election system possible because, you know, a free and fair uh, election system is the bedrock of our democracy. And I will defend that all day long. But I'm focused out the windshield in 2022, not 2020. 
and Karen Taylor Robeson is with us. And Karen, I'll just say I am as well. <laughs> I, uh, um, I'm very much looking forward to the break to get to the topics I really want to talk about. But again, six weeks out, um, I got to do the job as well. And Karen, so just to follow up real quick, um, you, 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 you would um, define, you would not uh, combine fair and fraudulent. In other words, um, you, you think that there was some things that um, you'd like to do differently, but at the end of the day, there wasn't a level of fraud that would have uh, changed the result of the election, is what I'm hearing. Well, you know, there's still ongoing investigations. These investigations will continue for, you know, God only knows how long. But I'm focused on the issues that are important to Arizonans, and that's inflation, that's the cost of gas, the cost of groceries. That's what they care about. And, and we have those things because of the disastrous policies of the Biden administration. So my focus is maintaining Arizona in Republican hands so that we are best positioned in 2024 to get rid of Joe Biden. Karen, when we come back to issues that are being talked about a lot uh, by a variety of people across the state, water and housing and the economy. I'd like to get to at least the first two before we let you go. Karen Taylor Robeson is with us running for governor of the beautiful state of Arizona in the Republican primary. We'll be right back for more on this Friday drive time hour of Tipping Point with Zach Yenser. Don't go anywhere. The next generation of talk. Tipping Point with Zach Yenser. 1030 The Voice. Hi, this is Ethan Orr from the University of Arizona, where we apply science for sustainability and economic opportunity. At the Arizona Cooperative Extension, we focus on youth leadership, water conservation, and environmental health. If you'd like to find out more about urban agriculture, youth development, or creating a healthier environment, call me, Ethan Orr, at 520-621-0906, or visit us at extension.arizona.edu. Why I love where I live. It's a brand and movement that began here in Tucson to spark gratitude and celebrate the good things about where we live. Located in the open air Mercado San Agustin Annex, just west of downtown, it's a great place to shop or spend time with friends as you enjoy food, drink, and other shopping options close by. Find gifts, toys, books, and clothes that will help you celebrate where you live. Visit them at the Annex off the I-10 at Cushing and Avenida del Convento. In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the 70-plus startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges that houses the university's commercialization hub with several other projects coming out of the ground, they are integral in shaping the future of southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. Zach Yenzo here, and I'm so excited to be a part of the launch of the Little Love Burger as they're growing in Tucson. Located just a few hours down from the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger serves up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. Little Love Burger is open Sunday through Thursday, 11 to 9, and Friday and Saturday, 11 to 10. You can follow their bee on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson. Don't you want some burger to love? 
The economy is moving forward, and Arizona businesses are looking at new opportunities and challenges as we emerge from COVID-19. Leading companies are planning how to respond to new business and rebuild their teams and are looking for critical talent now. The right talent in key positions will make all the difference, and having a trusted and dedicated talent acquisition partner will give you an edge. Devin and her team at Talent Store will connect you with top talent while positively impacting time to hire, retention, and your employer brand. Learn more by visiting yourtalentstore.com and schedule time with Devin and her team. Did you know that Arizona is the first state in the country to implement a program like Earn to Learn has right here to support students with matched college savings? Through your investment, you enable students to leverage their own savings and resources to acquire the life-changing asset of a college education. If you want to be a part of increasing students' earning potential, minimizing student debt, closing the opportunity gap, and putting deserving individuals on a path to success, go to earntolearn.org to find out more. When you manage your money with a credit union, you're taking true ownership of your finances and how your money impacts the community. Stop letting banking just happen to you. Bring your money home to Vantage West. Federally insured by NCUA. Hi, this is Tom Sullivan. Join me weeknights from 7 to 10 for The Tom Sullivan Show on 1030 KVOI, The Voice. And we're back Tucson and all of Southern Arizona live here on this Friday drive time hour of Tipping Point. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. This segment is sponsored by Little Love Burger. Uh, They opened downtown Tucson last fall. And I'm proud to say they're doing quite well, serving up the juiciest burgers, loaded hot dogs, ice cream milkshakes, local brews, and breakfast sandwiches. You can follow them on social media at Little Love Burger and mention you heard about them here on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for a 15.15% discount off your next order. We're continuing our conversation this morning with Karen Taylor Robeson, uh, Republican running for uh, governor in the primary that wraps up early August. Um, Karen, this week, the U.S. Bureau of Reclamation told Congress that the seven states on the Colorado River will have to cut consumption by 14 to 28 percent to prevent Lake Mead and Lake Powell from falling to very critical low levels. Uh, the fear that a large share of that cut uh, will fall on Arizona particularly. How dire do you see this situation being, and what is the work uh, that you'd plan to do should you become governor? Well, uh, you're correct. We had the head of the uh, Bureau of Reclamation uh, testify in Congress this week about the, about the, about the dire situation uh, on, the, on the river, on the Colorado River. And, you know, the, the good news is Arizona's history demonstrates our ability to innovate, con, you know, conserve and adapt. And we're actually using less water as a state now than we did decades ago. Uh, but my focus, uh, in, in it's outlined in my water plan, which is on my website, KarenForArizona.com. My focus is on adding to our water supplies and, and making the best possible use of every drop through, through greater conservation efforts and efficiency efforts. Um, but, but Arizona has a long history of, of um, being innovative. And, you know, the, the folks that came before us 100 years ago did a lot to, to um, um, help us build the Arizona we know today. But at the end of the day, we live in a desert, and we're in the middle of a sustained drought. In fact, I, I read recently that uh, it's, it's a 1,200-year drought. I mean, that is uh, obviously serious. 
and and we're doing our part. We've got to do more, but we have to also make sure that the other uh, lower basin states, in particular California, does their part. They they have not stepped up yet to do to do what they need to do. And if we don't figure this out, if these uh, states don't figure it out, the federal government is going to figure it out for us. And so I think you know the 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 call has been made by the by the feds that we we have to work together and, um, and and make sure that we can best prepare for the continuing drought conditions ahead of us. Karen, uh, before we go on to housing, some will say, and I, I agree with you, conservation needs to be absolutely a major table leg of all of this. Many have started to talk about what are ways now that we can augment, add new, uh, create new, recycle new water resources. Are there any uh, augmentation ideas that you especially like and would look into as governor? Uh, absolutely. You know, there, there's there been proposals for desalinization, and I believe we, we need to pursue those. Um, you know, new technologies allow us to do desalinization projects that weren't economically feasible just a decade or two ago, so we have to pursue that. My water plan includes using cloud seeding technologies, um, you know, there are new new technologies to, you know, for data, large industrial users to much more efficient, efficiently use their water. And so every drop we save is, is really a, a drop that, that we can count as, as augmentation as well. Um, I even, you know, put in, in my water plan the need to deal with the salt cedar problem um, that is just sucking up water like straws. You know the federal government. You know once again, in their in their good intentions, screwed screwed that up. <laughs> um, you know they planted the salt cedars along major rivers in Arizona uh, many many years ago for uh, erosion control, and just on the salt in the in the Gila rivers, it's sucking up fifty five thousand acre feet of water a year. So we have to deal with that. Um, you know, so we, we have to look at every technology available, and, and there's, you know, the good news is there's a lot of emerging technologies, both on the augmentation side as well as the conservation side. Karen, uh, it, was in, it was really interesting to read a piece written by Danny Seiden, who we're actually going to have on the show in a couple of weeks. He's the president and CEO of the Arizona Chamber. And his piece was pretty stark in that he said, look, we've survived a global pandemic. We've survived a recession. I mean, there just seems to be not very much these days that can put a dent in Arizona and Phoenix's especially economic growth right now. He said, except for the housing crisis um, and the fact that we are just not building enough housing. We've got 100,000 people a year moving in, Karen, to the state. We're 270,000 workforce housing units short in Arizona, and there are some huge concerns that we're not building enough housing quick enough to keep up to where now, you know, if you're going to buy a house in Phoenix, you got to drop $475,000 in a Sunbelt state. What do we do about this, Karen? What can the governor do or influence? Well, this is an area where I have a lot of expertise that I can bring to the table. I've spent uh, nearly three decades in the land use real estate development arena, um, uh, helping to create some of the best master plan communities the state has from Eastmark and Mesa to Verado and in Buckeye to DC Ranch and Silverleaf and Scottsdale, Kierland, West Wing. I can go on and on with the, the communities that I've worked, uh, worked uh, to help create. Um, but what we have is a supply and demand problem. We've got more people moving here uh, because Arizona is still a free state. 
uh, people, you know, uh, people are attracted to freedom. And, and so they're moving here in droves. Meanwhile, we have a number of things going on that, you know, from the supply chain, uh, you know, I know home builders who, who can't get their toilets and plumbing fixtures or, or, or windows to, to complete their houses. So even though they could sell a lot more houses, they can't deliver them because of supply chain issues. You couple that with labor issues. We have a significant labor shortage. So even if you can get the supplies, you don't have the people to build the houses. And then we have a land availability issue. You know, most people don't realize that 83% of Arizona is, is owned in, in one, some form of public ownership, either federal, state, or tribal ownership. And so we only have 17% of our land in private hands that's available for development. So we have a, we have a land constraint problem. Uh, and when I'm governor, I plan to, to uh, really uh, reimagine the state land department, which owns 9.2 million acre feet, into an education endowment, which it's intended to, to be, but, but manage it in such a way that we can deliver more property to the market to, to, to uh, alleviate some of the, the burden of the, the land constraint that is, is uh, you know, causing some of the affordability issues that we're experiencing now. So, you know, the, and the last piece of, of that is really the regulatory environment. In, in some cities, uh, you know, they're very efficient and, and capable of processing land use requests and zoning requests in order to build more housing. And in some other cities, we're seeing that they're just, you know, they don't want more housing. They don't want more multifamily housing. And, and their inability to approve, uh, you know, development proposals is, is in part leading to the affordability problem. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I agree with that, Karen. Karen, I have so many other questions I'd love to ask you, but if I did, I'd have to interrupt you, and I'm a really bad interrupter. So uh, <laughs> let's put a, let's put a pin it there, but it does give you time to tell people where uh, they can find you online and in the website. And if you're going to be in Southern Arizona anytime soon, uh, let us know. We are, we are there regularly, but uh, your, your listeners can find me at KarenForArizona.com, and Karen is spelled K-A-R-R-I-N. KarenForArizona.com. Oh, there's a debate tomorrow, isn't there? Uh, the I've, I've heard it was canceled, but I don't know okay. if it will go on or not. <laughs> That's what I get for going off the top of my head. That's what I get. Uh, Karen Taylor Robeson, uh, thank you so much for spending uh, the start of your Friday morning with us. Stay cool and safe out there, and thanks for talking about the issues this morning. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Karen. Tucson, when we come back after bottom of the hour news break, we're going to have on with us the president of Arizona State University, Dr. Michael Crow. Uh, we're going to talk about a wide variety of topics, one that we weren't able to quite get to even with uh, Karen Taylor Robeson. That is, uh, how, do we, how do we grow better and what is the role of a university in growing a southern Arizona uh, economy, certainly taking advantage of our sun corridor. We'll talk about the U.S. Space Force and Arizona State University signing an agreement earlier this month. Senator Mark Kelly was on the campus of ASU. Arizona is a space state. I'm throwing that out there right now. And uh, ASU is just designated a Hispanic-serving institution by the U.S. DOE. We'll talk about that as well on the other side. We'll be right back here on 1030 The Voice Tipping Point with Zach Yenser returns in just a minute. In 
1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the 70-plus startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges that houses the university's commercialization hub with several other projects coming out of the ground, they are integral in shaping the future of southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. The economy is moving forward, and Arizona businesses are looking at new opportunities and challenges as we emerge from COVID-19. Leading companies are planning how to respond to new business and rebuild their teams and are looking for critical talent now. The right talent in key positions will make all the difference, and having a trusted and dedicated talent acquisition partner will give you an edge. Devin and her team at Talent Store will connect you with top talent while positively impacting time to hire, retention, and your employer brand. Learn more by visiting yourtalentstore.com and schedule time with Devin and her team. Tucson homeowners, do you have equity in your home and would like to sell but are afraid that you won't be able to find a new place in this market? Well, you're not alone. That's why CNC Partners has put together an innovative way to make your next home dream come true. They work with local investors who can purchase your home for cash, pay above market value, waive the appraisal, and provide you with the option to lease your home back to you for 12 months until you can find a new home in the Tucson market. If you'd like to see what that cash offer might look like with no obligation, go to Tucson Cash Offer. When you manage your money with a credit union, you're taking true ownership of your finances and how your money impacts the community. Stop letting banking just happen to you. Bring your money home to Vantage West. Federally insured by NCUA. Helping you make better money decisions is what the Ramsey Show is all about. Today at 1 p.m. on 1030 The Voice. And we're back Tucson and all of Southern Arizona live here on this Friday drive time edition of Tipping Point with Zach Yenser out of the Common Workspace Studios. Daily in-depth news, conversation, and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. If you're just joining us, we said goodbye uh, to Karen Taylor Robeson at the bottom of the hour on for two segments uh, discussing her race for governor in the Republican primary. We talked water, we talked housing, uh, and of course some of the nature of the race as we are just uh, really a handful of weeks out uh, from the August uh, August primary. Uh, on with us now is the president of Arizona State University, Dr. Michael Crow, to cover a wide variety of issues, but let's welcome him on in now. Dr. Crow, thanks as always for starting your Friday with us here in Southern Arizona. Good morning. Hey, Zach. How you doing? Happy to be there. I'm, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, I, I've had a really fun week, uh, Dr. Crow. I've been on a personal mission the last handful of months here to dub Tucson as the space city of the Southwest, and a magazine here locally picked up that term and wrote it down in paper. So there's at least two people now saying it, but uh, I'm on a mission to brand Tucson as the space city of the Southwest, and that's relevant to our conversation because I've also been calling Arizona a space state. Uh, The U.S. Space Force and Arizona State University signed an agreement earlier this month making ASU the newest member of the Services University Partnership Program. You had Senator Mark Kelly and the NASA Administrator uh, in in late May uh, at Arizona State University to talk about your space capacities. 
Uh, what does all this look like for ASU, Dr. Crow? What does that relationship with the U.S. Space Force look like? Well, I think it's a good thing that you're that you're uh, uh, creating there in terms of the idea. Tucson is, uh, you know, one of the great space cities of the of the not just the country but of the world because of yes. all the things that have gone on there with uh, astronomy and the mirror telescopes and the uh, uh, asteroid missions and you know all the other stuff that that the University of Arizona and the rest of the community have really been a part of. And then, you know, running parallel with that are all the things going on here at ASU, 25 off-Earth missions that we're a part of, uh, fantastic industries and companies that are here, uh, all the things that are going on, the new connections to Space Force. And so what your listeners might not be aware of is, is how this part of the economy, the space economy, the space technology economy is going to be hugely accelerating in the next few decades. And uh, Tucson uh, is going to be very well positioned to be a main player in that. Uh, we're going to be looking at ever-intensifying uh, satellite technologies. We're going to be looking at, ultimately, the building of the moon bases, the moon satellites, the moon space station, uh, asteroid mining, and, and Arizona is unbelievably well-equipped to be a part of all of that. I, I was trying to do some research, Dr. Crow, on what does this partnership between the U.S. Space Force and ASU look like, and uh, my, maybe I wasn't reading deep enough, but it really sounded like it was kind of a blank slate, that there was um, uh, not, not a lot of clarity going in in terms of a lot of opportunity to figure out, okay, what does this now look like? What does it mean, Dr. Crow? What can you share with us about what being a member of the Space Force's university partnership program looks like? What does that mean? So the U.S. Space Force was established uh, in the same way that the Marines are a part of the Department of the Navy, the Space Force is a part of the Department of the Air Force, and they were created, like the Marines, to be a specialized unit to defend and protect the interests of the United States. Their, their uh, uh, soldiers are called guardians, and there's a 16 to 20,000 of them right now, and they protect the interests of the United States uh, in terms of all orbiting uh, American interests. How do we protect those since so much of our daily life is now dependent on what's up in space, supporting GPS, supporting cell phones, supporting, you know, every kind of uh, uh, digital transaction, computational transactions, communications, everything that's up there. And then they're also charged with protecting the Earth from near-Earth objects, uh, asteroids that could be damaging and so forth and so on. So it's a powerful group. And they have picked us as one of the universities to be their partner in building new research initiatives and then also in educating the guardians, uh, educating their, their, their soldiers, uh, and educating them in astronautics, astronautical engineering, astronomy, astronautical systems, astronautical defense, you know, all those kinds of things. And ASU, with all of our... Uh, hyper-advanced online programs and uh, unbelievable teaching tools that we put together, as well as research activities going on, we become a part of the, the network that's a part of the launch, no pun intended, of the U.S. Space Force. Hmm. Dr. Crow, I'm always curious because you seem to be on the uh, kind of the cutting edge of some of these bigger national conversations. Uh, Jacksonville was in the news. They want to be a space city. There's, a, there's some small cities in Texas um, that are starting to kind of own that. Of course, there's Houston, there's Tucson, 
there's Tempe. Uh, I th- there's a lot of places around the country I'm finding who realize that this new space economy is going to be a cutting edge industry with high wage jobs that could transform economies, and someone's going to win, and someone's going to lead. Uh, uh, how, how does how does Arizona really plant its flag as being a space state, Dr. Crow? Hey, Zach, we uh, lost Dr. Crow. Um, working to get him back on. Sounds good. Matt, should we go to a break or should we should we prattle on together? What do you I think, suggest? I think that's a super idea. Let's go to break. That's Perfect. Sounds good. We'll get Dr. Crow on uh, on the other side of the break. Thanks, Matt. We'll be right back to Sun. Don't go anywhere. Part two continues on the other side. show check out the podcast at kvoi.com tucson homeowners do you have equity in your home and would like to sell but are afraid that you won't be able to find a new place in this market well you're not alone that's why cnc partners has put together an innovative way to make your next home dream come true they work with local investors who can purchase your home for cash pay above market value waive the appraisal and provide you with the option to lease your home back to you for 12 months until you can find a new home in the tucson market if you'd like to see what that cash offer might look like with no obligation go to tucson cash Offer.com. Zach Yenser here, host of Tipping Point, and I want to tell you that Decibel Coffee Works is the coffee we drink at home and while we're out and about. Run by a great local team of people who care about the Tucson community, you'll find a variety of great coffee drinks, beans, pastries, and more. There's also a rumor ice cream is on its way in 2022. To see their full menu and varieties of roasted beans from around the world, visit DecibelCoffeeWorks.com and visit them at 267 South Avenida del Convento. Mention you heard about them on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for 10% off your next order on anything you buy. Zach Yenzo here, and I'm so excited to be a part of the launch of the Little Love Burger as they're growing in Tucson. Located just a few hours down from the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger serves up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. Little Love Burger is open Sunday through Thursday, 11 to 9, and Friday and Saturday, 11 to 10. You can follow their beat on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson. Don't you want some burger to love? Hi, this is Ethan Orr from the University of Arizona, where we apply science for sustainability and economic opportunity. At the Arizona Cooperative Extension, we focus on youth leadership, water conservation, and environmental health. If you'd like to find out more about urban agriculture, youth development, or creating a healthier environment, call me, Ethan Orr, at 520-621-0906, or visit us at extension.arizona.edu. Why I love where I live. It's a brand and movement that began here in Tucson to spark gratitude and celebrate the good things about where we live. Located in the open air Mercado San Agustin Annex, just west of downtown, it's a great place to shop or spend time with friends as you enjoy food, drink, and other shopping options close by. Find gifts, toys, books, and clothes that will help you celebrate where you live. Visit them at the Annex off the I-10 at Cushing and Avenida del Convento. This is Bill Buckmaster, Tucson's police chief at noon on 1030 Tucson's Voice for Trusted News Talk. And we're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona, live out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to this Drive Time Friday edition 
of Tipping Point with Zach Yenser. This segment is sponsored by our friends over at Decibel Coffee Works, the coffee we drink at home. And out and about, there is now ice cream on the menu, so you want to check them out at the Mercado San Augustine Annex. Mention you heard about them on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for 10% off your next order on any beans, pastries, drinks, ice cream that you buy. Just mention us, 10% off. We are back for part two of our conversation with Dr. Michael Crow, president of Arizona State University. Uh, Dr. Crow, I wanted to pick back up one last question on the space content, and, and then we'll we'll move on. I was mentioning before the break that there are a number of cities and states and towns even that really realize this competitive, high-wage, high-opportunity industry that is the new space economy. Uh, Tempe's pretty darn good at this stuff. Tucson is pretty darn good at this stuff. How do we plant our flag as a state, um, as being a space state? How do we get our share of this and lead it nationally? Hey, Zach. Yeah, thanks. I don't know what happened there on the phone, but uh, the way that we do this is um, uh, we decide we're going to be the best at something, that we're going to decide that we're, gonna, we're going to not just let random outcomes be the way that we evolve the economy. We need to decide we're going to be number one in the space economy. We need to try to concentrate more industries here. We need to build new training programs, expanded programs. Uh, we're doing a lot of this at ASU. I know they're doing a lot of this at the U of A also. And, and uh, the way to do it is to make sure that we're facilitating everything that could conceivably be needed. This would be ultra-high-speed Internet connectivity, uh, making certain that we uh, uh, are putting in place uh, uh, connections to K-12 schools, connections to different companies, that we're facilitating uh, everything that would ultimately be needed, uh, and this would go to sample returns from space and new advanced engineering systems and modeling systems. So it just means just basically deciding that we want Arizona to be the number one space economy uh, state. I mean, I completely agree, and I can't tell whether I've been listening uh, to you or you've been listening to me, but we agree, <laughs> Dr. Crow. I, I keep saying here that locally that, that Tucson is in the middle of its Pittsburgh moment. Pittsburgh had this opportunity in the 70s and 80s around robotics and autonomous vehicles, and they decided they were going to be number one, and it was not going to be an accident, and they brought the university and the public sector and the private sector together, along with a lot of NASA funding, sound familiar, and said, all right, yeah. we're, we're all in on this, and, uh, you know, Roboberg is, uh, is, is, is now history. So uh, I think you're right, Dr. Crow, and I, and I hope we have the leadership and vision in this state to focus on this as something transformative um, and do it. And there's times where I'm not quite sure what, 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 what some people are doing, but we need to keep sharing the message. Uh, well, I, I, heard, I heard you talk. I heard you talking to Karen Taylor Robeson about you know finally after 150 years or more uh, trying to find a way to use the state land trust to you know for what its purpose is, which is to enhance educational outcomes for Arizonans. Well, one can do that by you know becoming the number one place in the in the country where engineers are produced, the number one place in the country where. We're producing new uh, age technologists and, and all the things that come along with that. That wouldn't be the only thing that we would do. So the key in Arizona is to decide uh, that we want to do something. We want to become masters of the universe relative to water. We need to become the most advanced uh, uh, water engineers uh, on the planet. We need to think through how we can build sustainability-oriented businesses that give economic opportunities for Arizonans. We need to 
do all these things. And so it's really just a function of deciding. That's what's been missing in the past. We haven't decided to be anything yet other than just a great place to move your family, and that is necessary but insufficient. Hmm. I agree, Dr. Crow. Uh, related, let me ask you this, because you've spoken to this in Southern Arizona before, uh, but you know, when I, when I see numbers about Arizona's growth and Arizona's economic growth, there's always an asterisk in my mind that really when we say Arizona, we really still mean Phoenix. We're simply seeing economic numbers coming out of COVID lagging in Coconino and Pima counties uh, for sure. Uh, you've talked about a Sun Corridor in the past. How do we, as we talk about Arizona as a state this morning, what do we have to do across the state to make sure that that growth and opportunity is being seen by people who live in rural areas, urban areas, north of the state, south of the state? How do we balance this out? So the one thing we have to do is we have to realize that we're not living in uh, islands. Uh, you know, we're actually all connected, economically codependent. Uh, uh, as one uh, boat goes, all boats will go. So to me right now, if you just looked at the I-10 connection between Tucson and Phoenix and, you know, the garbage along the road, the, uh, the failure to, uh, you know, create uh, business opportunities along those highways, um, you know, all kinds of things that are going on, it's, it's reflective of like it's, like, it's like a bridge that nobody cares about. And so we need a different attitude. We need to understand that Tucson can be what Tucson wants to be, this beautiful historical uh, place with a deep and robust history, multicultural in every possible way. And then, you know, Phoenix is a different kind of place, and Prescott is a different kind of place, Flagstaff's a different kind of place. So if you, if you, you want all those differences, but you want all these things connected and, and interconnected uh, to the highest extent possible so that they can leverage economic opportunity uh, among and between each other. And uh, right now we don't have that. Uh, we, still, we still have a, an antiquated, somewhat 19th century mindset that it's everybody on their own, every tub on its own bottom, every town on its own uh, base. Uh, and that just doesn't work. And so, uh, and so we need to have in place unbelievable infrastructure connectivity, physical infrastructure, digital infrastructure, uh, uh, educational infrastructure, uh, problem-solving infrastructure, sustainable energy system infrastructure, that's, that's the way should we, we should be thinking, and, and business leaders and other leaders should be getting together to make sure that this happens. Agreed. Uh, Dr. Crow, ASU um, has been designated a Hispanic-serving institution by the U.S.'s uh, Department of Education. What does that designation mean, and, uh, and why, why is that important to not only the institutions like ASU, but, but the state as a whole to have, I think, now multiple uh, state universities who are designated as uh, Hispanic-serving institutions? Well, ASU's designation means that uh, we uh, officially achieved 25% of our student body uh, uh, coming from families of Hispanic origin. Now, we always were producing very large numbers, or at least the last 20 years, very large numbers of Hispanic uh, graduates, uh, but the university has grown so rapidly that the percentage wasn't at that threshold that Hispanic-serving uh, institution status requires. Now we have that. So we have more than 33,000 Hispanic uh, students. We have unbelievable graduation rates now, unbelievable graduation numbers. And what does all of that mean is, you know, Arizona is a very diverse, uh, uh, culturally, ethnically, very, very diverse place. And, uh, you know, we're very happy to be of greater service to all communities. It's not where we were historically 20, 30, 40 years ago. It's where we are now. 
And so we've built the university that we want to be, and along with that comes this Hispanic-serving institution designation, but in our case, at a very, very large scale. We, ha- we have more Hispanic students than all but about 30 universities have students, total students. Um, and so we're, we're very excited about uh, where we are and where we're evolving and how we can be of greater service. Uh, what is the data, Dr. Crow, on um, on how many, maybe students as a whole at ASU, but within uh, the Hispanic population of the state, what is the data around whether or not going to college is still a first-time experience for many families? Well, we have, uh, have 30,000 students that are here as undergraduates who are first-generation college students, so it's a huge thing. Most people uh, have not been to college. Most people, the vast majority, don't have college degrees. Uh, the vast majority of people, uh, parents, want their children to have a track to college. They want them to have opportunities. So we're still underserving the demand for college in Arizona dramatically. Uh, we've got, uh, it does, you know, everybody doesn't have to go to college, but people that want to go to college need to have an ability to be able to do that and a place to go. So we're thinking in every way that we can about expanding our capabilities to enhance learning, making sure that we're keeping up, and making sure that we're tapping into the, the talent that's coming from families that uh, have never sent anyone to college before, and because that's a huge aspiration for a lot of families, and we, we need to help facilitate that aspiration. Dr. Crow, one of the themes I talked with, uh, oddly enough, Karen Taylor Robeson about not not earlier this morning, but a few months back, uh, certainly tapping into her experience on the Board of Regents, um, was over the last 10, 15 years, uh, we have seen public universities, for one reason or another, not be able to um, um, live up to the constitutional ask in Arizona of as free as possible. And I say that because there used to be broader state funding for for public in universities. You know, if we're if we're going to talk about how do we serve first time college students and as many people as possible in this state, what do we have to do to return to a to a place where our public universities are able to provide tuition as free and fair as possible? Well, I mean, we're delivering uh, from the public universities in Arizona tremendous value. And we are uh, uh, keeping things uh, uh, very close to f- as free as possible with our financial aid packages. It's just that those financial aid packages then consume all of the resources that the university needs to be able to operate effectively and to have the quality programs that we need. So it's not you know, you, unless unless there is public support for the students from Arizona coming to the universities at a certain level, we have what's called a net loss outcome. So right now our net loss for students coming from Arizona to ASU alone is more than $250 million a year, uh, including every dollar from the state and every dollar paid for by, tu- by tuition for kids from Arizona. Well, that's, that's an unsustainable thing over the very long haul. What we need is to uh, join the other states uh, like uh, Texas and Georgia and Utah that invest uh, heartily in students from their states going to their public universities. And um, I, I'm hopeful that all of the candidates uh, running for governor uh, will have a plan on how to do that because we haven't done that. We've moved away from that. Uh, we've been highly entrepreneurial in trying to solve it, but we've got to move to the point where the student can afford the university and the university can have the resources that they need to be able to operate as a world-class institution. And so that's something that definitely needs more investment. A lot of things are out there that could make that happen. There's, it's a problem that's solvable, 
and doable. And my hope is that uh, uh, Karen Taylor Robeson, if she becomes the governor, or Katie Hobbs, if she becomes the governor, uh, that they will solve it. Yeah, I wanted to ask you that question, Dr. Crow, on, on our way out, given that I don't think we'll speak again until probably after um, the Republican primary and the Democratic primary. And this is not an R&D question. This is, you know, by the end of the year, we'll have a new governor for the first time in eight years. As a university president, beyond what you just said, uh, for the good of the state, what, what do you hope uh, that the next governor of this state is focused on or should be focused on uh, to, to, to make the state better? Well, in Arizona, what we need is we need to decide that we want to be the best place to raise a family, the best place for America to be competitive, the best place for America to uh, protect and defend the ideals of our democracy. Uh, and to do that, we, we need a strategy. We need, we need plans for enhancing K-12 education. We need plans for enhancing workforce development. We need plans for making certain that uh, people can have healthy lives and productive lives and contribute back to the economy and to the society. So we need, we need strategies uh, for uh, personal uh, uh, enhancement, for corporate and business success, for educational success. And at the root of all of this is uh, educational attainment. Uh, the higher the level of educational attainment, the more high school graduates that we have, the more high-quality high school graduates that we have, the more people that we have that are ready for a dynamic, technology-changing, rapidly evolving uh, workforce uh, opportunity, the better. And so the, the leaders of the state have got to now lay the foundation for the success of the state. It's a very successful place, but it's not particularly ready for the economy that's rolling out right now. We're falling behind in per capita uh, income. We're falling behind in, in a number of different fronts while we're succeeding in many others. And so what we need is we need energy devoted to human development, human capital development, human beings being developed. And that's what I hope the, the next governor can focus on. Yeah, Dr. Kern, I think the good news is we saw the recent research out of the Center for the Future of Arizona is that I think most Arizonans get it, Dr. Crow, by the data. Uh, whether, yeah. our, whether our state legislatures and executive branches here understand what Arizona voters are saying is, of course, always the question. But Arizonans get it. I think they understand the direction that you're speaking to, and they, by the data, say that they want that, uh, want that as well. Yes, absolutely. The, the, the Arizona We Want project has clearly identified about 10 areas where there's shared public values. Uh, and they also indicate from that data that there's not a lot of, a lot of support or, 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 I guess, uh, praise for individuals who aren't focusing on those shared values. And one of those is an educational pathway for everybody uh, uh, and so, so people get it. You're absolutely right. Arizonans are very smart, very savvy, very uh, aspirational, very much want things to be a certain way. And what we need is we need to get people that are just uh, focused on that outcome as opposed to necessarily thinking about just the narrower and more selfish interests of smaller groups or single companies or single entities, that kind of thing. Dr. Crow, as always, uh, great to spend time with you. Thanks for uh, starting your Friday with us here in Southern Arizona. I'm looking forward to our next conversation. And until then, stay cool up there. And thanks for visiting right. with us here in Southern Arizona. Thanks, Zach. Have a good weekend. Thank you, sir. Tucson, that does it for our Friday edition here of Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on 1030 The Voice. Hugh Hewitt's up next. Bill Buckmaster at noon with Tucson's new-ish uh, police Chief Chad Kazmar will be an interesting conversation for sure. We'll be back on Monday with the news hour. 
Uh, and we'll have Earn to Learn in, helping uh, young, uh, young people get a college education here in Arizona and beyond. Thanks for listening, Tucson. We'll see you on Monday.